it's really essential that the domicile is established at the place where the magic happens, where the real business activity is going to take place. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Peter, Patrick, everyone, welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Silvan. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Peter, you are the team head of executives and entrepreneurs at UBS. And you, Patrick, are a tax expert at the wealth planning team in Switzerland, also at UBS. So you are basically the perfect guys to talk to when it comes to taxes, to wealth planning, and also potential retirement plans. So let's dive in right with the first question. In your experience, how do young founders deal with topics such as pension plans and taxes? Yeah, I mean, as you as you might imagine, uh, young startup founders definitely have other things on their mind, right? Uh, they won't even think about taxes and, and provision planning. They have a business idea, they have a project they want to push forward. So when the banker typically shows up and, and says, you know, you should discuss the risk and think about what could happen in the future, that's normally not a very uh, welcome topic, I would say. Yeah, and another factor is that taxes and pensions are not necessarily attractive topics. So uh, for young entrepreneurs, they're rather perceived as a necessary evil. Mm -hmm. But uh, both factors are, are therefore quickly forgotten or postponed, continuously postponed. And uh, in addition, in the past, usually these entrepreneurs, they didn't have to care about the topics. They, they were employed and it was practically all done uh, by the employer itself. So they didn't have to think about it. And once starting off yourself, you really take over the responsibility uh, to really uh, care about taxes, care about your pension fund and all these issues and uh, uh, give them really the importance they, the, the topics need. Absolutely. In that regard, Peter, there are multiple ways how you can actually become an entrepreneur. What are the different options that you can choose from? Yeah, I mean, as, as Patrick just mentioned, there is the possibility that you actually kind of drop out from a corporate job uh, where everything is organized. You have your fixed salary, you have your pension fund, and, and you don't even have to think about too much about uh, these topics. But there is also the possibility to become an entrepreneur directly after, after your studies, something we see even more students becoming directly um, entrepreneurs. Um, so, so founding your startup really depends on where you are in your life and, and, and what does it mean financially? Of course, there is besides, you know, founding your own company, um, uh, based on a business plan you have, there is also the possibility to buy an existing business, which means you need some, uh, some existing cash in, in order to, to finance that there are definitely different ways, uh, to become entrepreneurial. Yeah. So in that regard, Patrick, what influence does becoming an entrepreneur actually have on the financials, the taxes, and also the pension situation in such a case? Well, basically becoming an entrepreneur means also um, tapping into your private funds and savings. And uh, you really have to think about how you're going to um, proceed with a lower salary and so on in, in the future, what usually is the case, at, uh, especially at the beginning. A stable salary and the pension fund are usually no longer just uh, uh, provided. So you really have to think, what does this mean for your, for my private wishes, my private plans? And you have to be very aware of the impact. You want to add something? 
I mean, let's say, I think to become an entrepreneur and, and you know, both of ours are, and so we, we, we can't really tell, but I think becoming an entrepreneur also means, you know, uh, being eager and, and ready to, to take risks and actually to jump a bit into the cold water, leaving behind some of the security you have. I think uh, it's finally um, this that in the in the future might bring you um, also the rewards um, for for taking that risks in the early days. So without taking any risks, you will never become an entrepreneur. Um, so we'll, you also have to take risks uh, financially from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you've worked with multiple entrepreneurs with multiple companies. From your experience, what are the important success factors or ingredients when you actually start out? What can uh, make or break your successful startup? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not an investor, startup investor, so I might be the wrong uh, person to ask. But what we also really see, it's, it's team, team and team. So uh, it's super important who you start your company with. We have seen companies with great ideas uh, in, 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 a, in growing markets. Um, so they were actually ready, set up for success, but they weren't uh, nicely set up as a team. They weren't aligned about their values, maybe, mm. and, and they weren't diverse enough. So I think the, the, the team is super important. And maybe from a banking or, or, or tax perspective uh, or wealth planning perspective to keep in mind where the founders actually stand in their life. Because if you have, for instance, a, a young founder who is you know, financially independent, lives in a small apartment, no big fixed costs, it might be easier to say, okay, let's bootstrap and, and keep costs low and income low. And there might be another person already having family, having a different bank background might be um, um, important for this person to, to get already some salary. So you have to make sure where you stand and make sure you very early on discuss um, with the team on, on, on what you want to reach as a, as a team. Yeah. Right. Maybe in addition, I think the team is not only relevant internally, it's it's one of the main points, definitely, but also uh, look at your external team or the stakeholders. You can uh, ask the very first questions if you have problems and so on, who you can who can you address to and uh, I, I see people like uh, other entrepreneurs um, uh, consultants lawyers incubators friends family and so on these are very key to to drive a business successfully into a next next uh, life cycle yeah and you actually already mentioned it before peter like the personal finances play a crucial role they yeah. determine how much money you also need to earn as an entrepreneur to be able to finance your life, basically. What other role do personal finances play in that regard when you actually start a company? Because it's not only it doesn't only affect you as a person, but also your company potentially. Yes, of course. And, and that's why we also argue that it's super important to very early on have a business plan um, where you actually plan um, also the liquidity needs of the company, which is also the basis then uh, for the financial requirements you have. Um, and then based on, on, on this, you can decide, is it possible uh, to actually finance this business with your own funds by um, what we call bootstrapping, where you use existing funds and maybe keep your salaries low in order not to bring in external investors. So you keep a, a large portion of the cake on your own. Or if, if there is early on a need already to bring in additional investors uh, to make the, the company grow. So we believe um, the liquidity planning of the company in the first place and then um, making sure it works out with your private um, liquidity is, is, is super important. And here again, 
again, uh, the, the, the founders might have different starting points from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where you have to make sure uh, the company participation stays in line with, with, with the power also of, of these founders who bring uh, their brain to the table. Yeah, and if you need a business plan for the company, you definitely need a kind of a business plan for your private side as well. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Uh, if, you, if you look at the private side of an entrepreneur, it's essential to know how much fund do I need? Uh, funds do I really need to, to cover my expenses, to cover my, my uh, way of living and so on? Uh, and and how much of your own funds you really can contribute to the business. That's, it's very essential to have a clear mind and, and picture about that, that thing. And basically also, if, if it's also possible to draw pension assets, mm-hmm. do you want to? Is it a, an advantage or a disadvantage? Maybe we come to that point a bit, little bit later on as well. And what does it mean privately for you? So is, is there really also a need for, for a private, non-touchable reserve you need to have? All these questions, really, you, you should draw your private business plan as well. That's what we usually do recommend. Yeah, I, I really like that take because often you only think about the business plan for your company, but not for your personal life. So that's crucial that they also align. That typically, that typically gets Absolutely. forgotten and that's yeah. also where we come into play and, and very early on uh, address these topics because we believe them to be very important. Yeah, Absolutely. So when you actually found your company, you're also faced with the decision where, geographically speaking, you actually found it. So in that regard, where is the best place to establish the company from a tax and financial point of view? Let's ask the tax guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. The tax burden is very different from Canton to Canton. We speak of profit taxes between, I don't know, 12 to 20 percent, depending where you locate. But I think at Especially at the beginning, when when a company is maybe not profitable, uh, you're not break even at the moment. Taxes are a minor factor in how uh, to to evaluate a domicile. I think in the in the long end, it's really essential that the domicile is established at the place where the magic happens, where the real business activity um, is going to take place. And that's that's essential and uh, has has definitely an impact on future profits then. Further things to be considered tax-wise, but uh, as I mentioned, tax is only one, one factor, is especially, for example, uh, research-intensive companies. They, they uh, can maybe claim their expenses for research against the profit tax, which might be a big topic in the future. And uh, so, the, for example, the corporate tax reform gives you certain uh, advantages or disadvantages, and they're, they vary from canton to canton. So it's, it's wise to choose wisely, in my Absolutely. opinion. Yeah. So do your own research, basically. Do your homework. Exactly. And of mm-hmm. course, it's always possible to change domicile, of course. So if right. you start up at your uh, own cellar, basically, <laughs> and then you move on from place to place, uh, you, can, you can change domicile anytime within Switzerland. So there's no big issue. Do you have anything to add, Peter? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, it's interesting to hear that the tax guy says that taxes are not that important, but, but I think he's right uh, very early on. Um, it's, it's, it's much more important that you, that you get access to talent. 
uh, and that you have an environment that inspires you. So places to start to, to look for where you can start your companies. Maybe if you find in, in some sectors already existing startups, other companies that are domiciled in, in a certain area, let's say Schlieren um, for biotech, uh, medtech, or, or let's say Technopark, where you really have an environment where you where you, where you get to know other entrepreneurs that, that might help you out on your journey. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's much more beyond the pure tax reasons where, where you should actually locate your company. Absolutely. In, in particular in the beginnings. Yeah. Right. Another important decision that you actually face is the choice of your legal form. So how important is that choice from your perspective, Patrick? In my opinion, very uh, important. It's it shows you very early a little bit the way to the future and how much flexibility you have with a company and and what ways you 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 can or cannot take in the future. So therefore, and if we if we speak for, for uh, of a legal form, we usually divide between uh, individual companies or the corporation or game behind Switzerland, and. First of all, the individual company, it's, it's very easy to set up and basically opens the possibility as well, what sometimes the intention is to draw all the money out of the pension fund. Uh, and therefore, you really have to question yourself, do you really want to use the pension capital? Even though it's your own company, it's still venture capital. So you really have to think hard about that. Uh, on the other hand, also individual companies, there's a liability issue. You're, you're um, uh, liable with your overall wealth, basically, if something goes not the way you intend to. Mm -hmm. And uh, last but not least, uh, I think the individual company is definitely more for a one-man show than for a fast-growing uh, company in the market. If you once want to uh, have investors, business partners, and so on, it's usually not possible with an with a individual company. And on the other hand, uh, frankly spoken, the RK or the GmbH, they're nowadays almost the same, but still they have a, a few differences. Entry capital usually is known, uh, 20,000 with the GmbH, it's a, it's a lower hurdle to, to start, of course, but uh, it's, it's also a little bit less flexibility than the corporation. And especially if you're in a scalable business again, looking for investors and so on, you get more flexibility with the, with the corporation. And uh, also the GmbH at the moment is slightly more transparent when it comes to public knowledge of ownership and so on. So if, if possible, if you're really this kind of startup guy looking forward and growing a company very fast, uh, you best start off with a corporation in my opinion yeah, yeah and we have, we have seen some some uh gmbhs um being uh, converted into into corporation into the classical ags at the later stage uh, the latest in in a growth phase where you need additional investors um that's uh, definitely a point in time where you where you where you where you change your legal form uh in order to to benefit from all the um from all the advantages uh, this legal form gives you um, and it's also necessary to bring uh, uh, professional investors on board. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to be uh, fully transparent in that regard and be in a public register. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most often. Yeah. yeah. So in that regard, no, okay, we talked about the choice of the legal forum, but I can imagine that this also has, of course, some influence on your pension provision 
so what would you actually recommend there? What is important there uh, to also consider in terms of the legal form choice related to the, the pension uh, provision? Uh, as mentioned before already, if you have an individual company, it's all about your own responsibility to really take care of your pension and uh, uh, pension fund system and perspective. There's no compulsory risk insurance, no compulsory savings obligation, no nothing, basically. So if you don't take care of that, you don't have nothing, to be honest. And uh, for example, if you if you are self-employed and and you do not plan you you may face uh, quite a dramatic uh, situation if something happens to you, if you get ill or if you have an accident. So uh, from social security point of view, there's only the first pillar who's paying something. And in mm. best case, uh, that's roughly 28,000 in Swiss. Uh, and that's for all your life, basically, and you don't get anything else uh, on, on top of that. So it's, it's definitely something uh, you really have 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 to have a focus on in my opinion mm -hmm. so it's definitely you, you still have some safety nets but they are much weaker than with an AG or GmbH absolutely and with the AG of course a lot comes on the on the mandatory part so exactly. you you're you're, you're uh, the the employer of your own company basically but with the law uh, you're obliged to have certain uh, however uh, small risk coverage and so on with pension fund and so on. Right. So Peter, how does that work with the AG and GM behind that regard? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th I think uh, AG GmbH is, is, qu is quite similar uh, because you're, you as a startup entrepreneur are always an employee um, of, of your own company. And, and what we typically see that in the early days, you keep your salary as low as possible because every a Swiss franc uh, you 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 get into your pocket will be used for further growth so that's quite common that to have um your salary as low as possible that of course means um your pension fund um is not growing uh, as well so you're taking a certain risk to that end but that's something you have to take possibly as an entrepreneur because you get all the upside in, in case you can possibly sell your business at the, at the later stage. What we sometimes see in particular, if, if the company is growing and maybe gets profitable at a certain stage, from my perspective, it's important to, to adjust your salary uh, over the years uh, in line with your, with your, the progress you make as a business and, and as you, as you grow as an organization. Uh, because otherwise you really risk that you might have a fast growing startup, but you, you don't really have a safety net or only a small safety net with your pension fund on the other side. We sometimes hear entrepreneurs saying, okay, listen, I'm not interested in pension fund topics. I'm very, still very young. And, you know, my, my, my provision planning is the company because I'll be a successful entrepreneur. So I don't need pension fund. Um, that's something we hear quite often that co can go very well, mm -hmm. but it can also go, go quite bad. Um, so this is something we also discuss quite early in order to make sure you're not too much dependent on the success of your company. Yeah. It just comes to mind, you know, high risk, high reward. I think that's also yeah. very applicable something here. Obviously, the entrepreneurs don't like to hear too much, but yeah. I think it's important to address it. And then they, they go for their decision and, and might go their route anyway. And sometimes... Uh, uh, the, the business uh, proves them right uh, when they can sure. sell their business and, and, and are financially independent afterwards, yeah. But there I fully agree. I think it's important that it's a conscious decision, not just, oh, it just happened to me. I didn't really make that decision consciously. 
and that you really think about it and then choose the right strategy for yourself. Yeah, because in particular, you know, p- publicly you, you you typically hear only the good stories, right? True. The nice exits and everything went out quite nicely. But you also, of course, see some some situations where do you then go back into a corporate job or or maybe find another. Uh, another um, um, way of, of, of living afterwards and, and then it's it's good to not have all the eggs in, in, in one place. Yeah. Exactly. So Patrick, in that regard, you also have tax aspects that you have to consider when founding a company and also again, depending on the legal structure. So what can you talk about uh, in that regard? It's quite a difference if you have an individual company or a corporation, uh, also tax-wise. Uh, you have to think if, you, if you're running an individual company, you are taxed on your business profit with income tax as a private person, basically, together with all the other private factors you, you have, uh, rental income, income out of investments and so on. Uh, so it's, it, it might be at the beginning quite interesting, especially if you in a, in a ramp-up mood uh, producing losses so you can um, deduct them against the other income of course that might be might be attractive and uh, that's that's technically speaking you, there's only one tax subject and that's completely in contrast to the the corporation or the GmbH where the business result they are taxed individually with profit taxes within the legal entity and the income taxes they they may arise if you uh, draw a salary of course or if you if you pay out dividends into your private wealth then the income taxes are kicked in and that's the in my opinion the main difference of course uh, in taxes got it and I'm sure you also have something to add here, Peter, with your experience. Yeah, I mean, I think the, from a from an entrepreneurial perspective, the most important thing is really if if you plan at some point in time to potentially say, uh, sell your company and your business, and there is of course the benefit uh, the benefit of um, tax free capital gains. And if you have an AG and you sell the corporation, then you can benefit from from tax free capital gains. Um, if 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 you have an individual company, for instance, uh, then when you sell the business, it's it's fully taxed. Mm-hmm. So so you definitely get the benefit from from the Swiss uh, tax systems here. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very important point to consider, which you cannot just change last minute when you're about to sell the company. That doesn't work. Nope. No, definitely not. You definitely have to think at least five years ahead if you start off with an individual company. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So these topics, they all sound pretty complicated, but I think you gave us a very good overview. But still, people might be a bit overwhelmed and say, hey, what kind of help and support should I actually look for at the beginning to get that right? What can you recommend in that regard? Yeah, I mean, what we discuss a lot now is is about legal form and and taxes, and and I definitely think having a good lawyer is of importance when you speak to maybe more seasoned entrepreneurs uh, who have made their way already. When they look back, uh, what they typically tell us that you that you shouldn't save money um, on 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 the law firm side. So it's definitely worthwhile to look out for a good startup lawyer who who, who knows the game. Um, then obviously it's important to have um, uh, the the insurance in place, uh, and then of course you need to go to banking partner. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's that's why we also as a UBS focus on 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 young entrepreneurs. We have our UBS Start Business, um, which is a, a landing page for all um, uh, startuppers, uh, where they get uh, in in one platform an ecosystem of of different solutions, not only actually banking services but also additional services. 
Um, so I think there are lots of lots of people that along the journey will become more and more important. But I think it's it's important to choose uh, very early on the right partners. In in particular, if you have in mind maybe to grow internationally to to to, to scale the business, to make sure you already have a partner with you that that can go with you maybe possibly also abroad. Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually a good keyword, growing uh, company. So now we talked about the early days, the beginning, the foundations of, of your company. But now the company is growing. We have more revenue. We have more employees. What sort of tax implications does that, does that have on my company, but also on me on a personal level, Patrick? With the success of a growing company, usually uh, the first tax issue that pops up privately of the, for the entrepreneur is the wealth taxes. Um, market value brings tax value and then ends usually in a higher tax uh, burden or wealth tax burden here in Switzerland. Uh, among other things, as you know, the entrepreneurs have to pay the wealth taxes on the value of the company. And it's sometimes hard to establish the real value since we do not have uh, stock exchange prices for a non-listed company. And therefore, the, the authorities, they uh, evaluate the company usually using a formula of a capitalized earnings value and the net asset value due to that lack of market price. But the implication of, uh, for example, if, if an investor is coming in a financing round, what, what, what is the implication of that? Uh, is that a rele relevant market value for tax reason or not? That's a big, big discussion we had in the past. Yeah. And uh, luckily not, at least in the canton of Zurich. Here in Zurich, the current rule is that a startup, which is uh, in an active and a scalable business and do not do, that does not generate any, any income streams or profits already is usually really looked at the startup and evaluated at um, at the base of the net asset value and that's a big advantage of course here in the canton of Zurich and however if these companies in questions are no longer subject to this uh, point of view from the tax authorities the wealth mm -hmm. taxes are kicking in and uh, usually uh, or often skyrocket uh, yeah, yeah, be, and, and be that, prepared. Yeah, exactly. Be prepared. And, and yeah, that, exactly. Can, that can happen quite fast because you, you, for instance, uh, be, uh, start to become profitable, um, and at the same time you're still growing your business. Uh, you potentially bring in new investors at that stage to 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 scale up and and and, and further invest. And then, of course, you, you actually have the situation that um, that that you you face significant wealth tax in a situation where you, as an entrepreneur, um, might still have quite a low uh, salary. Actually, so there is no private funds um, to 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 finance the taxes, and this potentially is also at the point in time where you maybe uh, start to have family or or look after um, uh, to buy a property yeah. um so it's 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 uh, from a, from a liquidity perspective you could tell it's a bit the the valley of death uh, in a sense that the company's growing and you're successful, uh, but um, and and uh, you're having good times, but but you don't have the money to pay the bills, exactly. um, and that's quite uh, quite a tricky situation where you need uh, financing support. Yeah, I like to go a bit into more detail here, Patrick. So mm -hmm. the wealth tax burden is likely to have far-reaching consequences. I could imagine an extreme scenario where you would eventually have to even sell some of your shares. Uh, to have the liquidity. So can you talk a bit more about these implications and how to deal with them? Yeah, yeah. you know, this, this wealth tax issue usually can or, or can often trigger kind of a chain reaction. Mm -hmm. So that means 
the startup salary is no longer sufficient to pay your wealth taxes or your taxes or your expenses you have with your family and your private life, of course. So that means uh, you you have to pay yourself a higher salary, uh, possibly even pay out dividends, which is usually not uh, the first thing uh, investors uh, are happy to see when they invest in a company. Mm-hmm. And usually it's also for the entrepreneur himself, not, not the, way, the way he wants to go because um, he, he he had draws capital out of the company uh, who would be better invested within the company to 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 follow the vision and 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 the plans of the company of course but however you you really have to think about uh, your overall compensation in 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 a higher salary in a higher dividend payouts and that raises again of course taxes you you then have the money to pay the taxes but it raises additional taxes and therefore you look look for ways to uh for deductible uh, things to 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 lower your tax burden again, and that's when uh, that's the latest point when when also pension plans and voluntary buy-ins and so on are are coming into focus. And uh, last but not least, of course, it's also uh, as, as we mentioned before, uh, tax rates of profit taxes between 12 20 percent. Uh, speaking of income taxes, we speak uh, of of uh, difference from 22 to 44, 45 mm-hmm. at the top max. So uh, you may also want to choose your domicile wisely. Exactly. In that regard, what would you recommend? Would you recommend to also increase your salary as the company grows to not have this? negative surprise from one day to the other or what would your recommendation be i think it has to be aligned all the time at the beginning it's it's, it's clear you don't you won't be able to have a high salary but uh, as i mentioned before this kind of chain reaction triggers you to really have a higher salary mm-hmm. which which also makes sense if if the company is growing um you the risk you you've taken you should be um um also paid basically for that risk mm-hmm. and therefore it's in my opinion, it's it should be aligned. Yeah, and maybe adding to what you just said, I think what we also see sometimes instead of taking out dividends in order to be able to pay taxes and, and stuff, uh, we've we have seen secondary transactions. So if there if there is an investor a funding round within new investors coming in, bringing fresh money to the company, you take the opportunity as an existing shareholder, as a founder, to to sell a small part of your shares, yeah. um, so that you already uh, create a certain liquidity on the one hand side to 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 be able to to pay the bills, but also to, to possibly de-risk at this point in time where you bring some some part of your entrepreneurial illiquid wealth what we call the iceberg uh, into your into your private wealth and then then you you're financially a bit more independent uh, from the success of your company some something we have seen um, more and more uh, in 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 the last uh, last years obviously quite at the late stage um typically sure. if you're still early on investors don't like you to already at least partially exit your participation but definitely something worth to consider yeah. um, um on your journey yeah I, I really like that development because it's it wasn't that used to be that yeah. way uh, in the past and i think it's so crucial to have founders with the you know peace of mind to be able to really chase the vision and go and build a big company and not having this liquidity squeeze when then they have to give up or things go south, that you actually have the opportunity to sell parts of your share. It's a really a tiny bit just to get enough liquidity to have uh, a less stressful financial life on, on the personal level. Absolutely. And I think it's important to have 
you know, the owner agendas aligned of all the founders, yeah. uh, because th that's possibly also a point in time where you might see, okay, there are different opinions on, on, on where the company should go. Should we bring in new investors, which means, uh, okay, the, the company put potentially grows into a larger cake, but your portion of the cake will get smaller. Mm -hmm. And this is also the point in time where we sometimes see entrepreneurs leaving the company also because sometimes um, they don't like the company to become too big, kind of they get small corporate sure. organizations. And, and this is also a point in time where, where you have to align again your private ideas and your private life with, with the, the agenda of the company. Yeah, absolutely. And in that regard, now we talked about income and earnings growth, but of course you also have a headcount growth. You hire more people to grow more, fa uh, more rapidly as a company. And that, of course, also has implications because you potentially want to think about, you know, employee participation and stock options and everything. So what have you seen here, Peter? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, I think as the company grows, you, you, you need uh, new talent. You might need different kind of people. So, so you might need also uh, higher profiles where you as a startup might not be in a position uh, to pay actually market wages. Um, in line with market, so so you kind of need in other ways to incentivize people to come and work for your company, um, and that's why we see also this point in time where where companies establish employee participation plans. And this is definitely the time when you need a, an expert. Um, setting up uh, employee stock option plan and the like is is really quite a complex matter, and uh, it's 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 not easy to set up. You really have to distinguish between equity based or equity linked compensation forms. Though that means uh, depending on the setup you choose at the beginning, uh, especially the tax consequences, they're completely different. They they vary from a fully taxable event for the employee up to a tax free capital gain and and that's the the, the difference we're speaking of uh, at the end so if if you look at equity based that means uh, you're getting shares or or at least options to buy one day in the future shares of the company and uh, it's uh, it's it's the only way basically to achieve um, under certain conditions a tax free capital gain uh, mm -hmm. in the future for employees on the other hand if we if we discuss equity linked programs we often speak uh, of of phantom stocks, for example, uh, which are kind of a replication of the original shares. Uh, they even can pay uh, hybrid dividends and so on. Um, but but you will never face a tax-free event. It, uh, it's always taxed. And so there's a, there's a huge difference in how to set up these this, uh, different plans. Yeah, I think we'll do like an episode just about that topic yeah. to really go into the, the the analysis about what makes sense and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. So now you grow the company and also the size of the company changes, obviously. The question of the role of the founders also arises. And what observations do you make here, Peter? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very good question. Uh, sometimes uh, you see that the founder or the founders who might have been, you know, the... the the guys providing the vision and 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 maybe being the, the brain behind the idea and the product when the company starts to grow very fast and there might uh, still be part of the, of the of the executive team they might not have as much fun as they had back in the days because now they have to manage people 
Um, so this point in time where also some of the founders have to think, do I step back? Um, do I bring in a professional management team to, to, to step in and, and take this uh, managerial role? Uh, but this also the point in time where some of the entrepreneurs might consider, you know, not only am I the right person to run the business, but also am I the right uh, owner of the business? Um, so where you actually also make uh, considerations about your owner agenda. And if you as a private person together with your founders are still uh, the right persons to bring the company to a next level, because if you have a certain size and you maybe want to become big to to further reach uh, your vision, you might need additional power, be it financially or operationally, uh, to reach your goals. And also the sale of the company might be an option to consider in that regard, right? To really say, hey, I sell my baby. Uh, it's time yeah. to hand it over and to also cash in on the, the value that we built over the past years. Yeah, that might be a result of that discussion where you realize, okay, maybe I'm not the right owner anymore. Mm -hmm. But what we also see sometimes that this happens quite out of the blue, right. where you get uh, someone just popping up and, and making you an offer or where you didn't really expect to happen. Um, this is also a point in time where you say, okay, now, what do I really want uh, as a person also? Mm. What do I want to reach as a person, but also what, where do I want to go with the business? So now let's assume that we are aligned and want to actually sell our company. And what sort of, what do you need to consider there? That of course also has some tax implications. Yeah, absolutely. So for selling a company, you have to be ready for that transaction. Uh, first of all, on an operational basis, uh, you, your business has, has to run smooth. You have to have the people aligned within the company and, and prepare them for, for a new way to go, basically. And also, on the, on the other hand, uh, on the tax perspective, um, in Switzerland, entrepreneurs, they have the unique possibility to sell their business tax-free. And it's, it's really unique uh, here in Switzerland. So... But but that doesn't come for doesn't come for free. Um, it's it's something you really have to prepare and really have to focus on on your legal structure, on your balance sheet. How is how is it structured? Uh, what are non-operating assets on the balance sheet and so on? And that needs some time and some planning in in advance. And but if you if you prepare wisely, it's it's really the ultimate goal usually in Switzerland to achieve that tax-free capital gain here in Switzerland. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you have, you've also seen a few M&A deals happening, Peter. So what, what is your observation there? Yeah, I mean, you cannot start too early, as, as Patrick said. There are lots of uh, financial stuff um, you can address early on in order to make sure it's tax-wise optimized. There are lots of operational stuff you have to make sure that, for instance, the company is not uh, too much dependent um on 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 the key personnel but i think it's also important to to have an idea how much your company is worth um so that you that you also among the owners um have an idea on on what could be a potential uh, price you would be willing to to sell your company in particular that's that's um good if you uh, receive um, an, an offer, maybe unexpectedly, if you have an idea on what the company should be worth and 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 have a good shareholder agreement where you also aligned on, on what happens in which scenario. Um, this is something you should address early on. And then if, if maybe there there is an offer and pops up, or we um 
always tell our clients, uh, even if that's a, a very good and exciting moment, uh, don't go exclusively um, with with the very first one because it's definitely advisable um, uh, to to look into alternatives um, to to potentially also maximize the the, the price uh, of of the of the sale of your company, uh, increase the range of possible buyers, and last but not least, also make sure you're not getting too much involved into these um, negotiations. That's why we say it's definitely advisable to have M and A. Uh, advice uh, from 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 experts um, and that support you uh, on on this journey. Yeah, I mean yeah. these negotiations they can keep you up day and night, and you still have a business to run. So absolutely, that's very advisable to get yeah, some support there. And it's also getting emotional, right? Yeah, and and this is also. Um, good if you have someone you know that that maybe does some at least part of the negotiation uh, for you, uh, because these these processes are quite long and and sometimes cumbersome and 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 uh, <laughs> I mean I've never done it but I've been close to uh, entrepreneurs who who went through it and and so it's 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 quite exhausting yeah absolutely but potentially then worth the journey of course so let's assume that we've done our homework we are ready for a successful exit. I can imagine that there are still any tax pitfalls that we should take care of or at least consider to not fall into any traps there. Yeah, I think there's there's one which is probably the most discussed one. That's the indirect partial liquidation. But uh, as it's discussed so so much or so often, uh, it's really hard to uh, step into that trap, in my opinion. But more likely, uh, a more likely pitfall might be an earnout, for example, uh, because the valuation of a company and the purchase price is not always clear at the at the time of 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 of, of closing. Uh, often, the, a, a certain part of the price is deferred into the future and paid into the future, and uh, from a tax perspective, that might arise uh, certain questions. Of course, so really, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a seller, you you uh, want to have again this tax free capital gain gain. Um, but tax authorities may look different at this one. The more it's connected to uh, achieving a certain turnover, achieving a certain EBITDA and so on, the more they look at it as a part of your salary for the future. And the salary is taxable in Switzerland. It's not tax-free, as we know. And this discussion may arise, of course, in, in the future. So uh, it's really wise to have a focus on earnouts and um, best even to address them openly with, with the seller, with the buyer, and also with the tax authorities and get, in the best case, a ruling uh, what's taxable and what's not taxable. Yeah. That's the beauty of Switzerland. You can just call up the tax authorities and uh, ask for a ruling before actually closing the deal. I think that's Im- amazing. Really, it's unique as well. It's yeah. unique as well in Switzerland, and it really gives you good planning um, security. Yeah, absolutely. So now the last step is basically the closing. The deal is sealed. The company is sold. What's next, Peter? Yeah, what's next? I mean, that's that's quite an important uh, milestone in the life of an entrepreneur. Of course, you have sometimes serial entrepreneurs who went through this more than once. But I think this point in time where you sell your company and then you have a pile of money sitting in your accounts, that's quite an important one. 
Um, and normally entrepreneurs are not really prepared for this, right? Because they've always been entrepreneurs. They've been used to taking decisions and being involved and being an entrepreneur. And this in from one point to the other, they're not entrepreneurs anymore, but they, they become investors. Now we sometimes see entrepreneurs, they're, you know, uh, they're still young. Uh, they say, okay, what's next? So I'm, they're looking for the next business venture. So they become entrepreneurial again, maybe a bit more relaxed because they have more financial resources to invest um, but definitely the transition from an entrepreneur to an investor is an important one and here uh, we also at UBS in our desk particularly we also support entrepreneurs on their journey when they still have the iceberg and uh, when I told you before but when the iceberg actually goes belly up and then you have the cash sitting in your accounts uh, making sure that your funds are well diversified uh, and and you have a good um, take sufficient time to think about your values to 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 go uh, through wealth structuring and make sure um, you have a good plan for the future. And what we quite often see that uh, entrepreneurs, they want to stay entrepreneurial um, sometimes depending on where they stand in life, maybe want don't want to be um, too much involved in businesses, but they're eager to invest and support young entrepreneurs looking at their, their selves uh, mm -hmm. some years ago. And this is also nice uh, at UBS because we, we have also uh, the, the private investor circle platform where we actually have um, a, a platform where we support young businesses, growing businesses looking for funding and we match them together with um, successful uh, entrepreneurs who have exited their business. So kind of the circle uh, closes um, and, and where everything starts again from scratch, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Fantastic. So I think if you're up for it, that's the perfect way to end this episode and end it with a few rapid fire questions. All right. So I give you a choice or a short question. Uh, we, we switch between the two of you and uh, you can basically just uh, answer it in one sentence. Okay. So the first one for you, Patrick, um, sole proprietorship or an HE? HE, definitely. Clear choice. For you, uh, Peter, VC money or bootstrapping? Difficult one. I would say bootstrapping in the in the early days until until uh, you go for Series A and then you bring in investors. But it also, I mean, it's a typical question where you say it depends right. because it depends also on, on what businesses you're in. For instance, if you're into the tech business, uh, then then you want to might have already venture capital investors early on. Exactly. For you, Patrick, Zurich or Souk? Come on. Say Lucerne. <laughs> Lucerne. <laughs> that's the, where the heart wins. That's fair. <laughs> we, we let that come. That's okay. Okay. And for you, being the, the biggest fish in Switzerland, the number one here in the local market, or being a smaller fish in an international market? Being, uh, being a small fish in an international market, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. And for you, how many hours of sleep did you get last night, Patrick? Uh, around six. Okay, fair point. Yeah. And one last point for investment decisions. Uh, what would you rather buy, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general, a stock ETF or invest in a startup company? I would go for a mix of it all, but definitely um, not too much of Bitcoin. I would rather focus on ETF and startups. Fair point. Yeah. Cool. So Peter, Patrick, thank you so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure talking to you and all the best with the interesting cases and cool entrepreneurs that you're actually helping and supporting along the way. Thank you. Thank you.